You're listening to Living Faith, the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. We meet Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. for Sunday school and 10.45 a.m. for morning worship. Sunday evening services are at 6 p.m. On Wednesday, we meet at 6 p.m. for our weekly Bible study along with our immersive student and children's ministries. Find out more at www.fbcap.net or give us a call at 863-453-6681. You can email us at info at fbcap.net. We'd love to connect with you soon. This is part of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Look and Live, Life and Light in the Gospel of John. Well, I want to encourage you to take your copy of, of God's Word this morning to John chapter John chapter 9. I've always enjoyed uh, our hanging of the green service, and we had done that for many years on a Sunday evening. And this year, I just, uh, Matt and Joy and I were talking. I said, you know, what a great opportunity to celebrate that on a Sunday morning and worship uh, as the body of Christ. And so we thank you so much for those involved with the, our children's ministry on Wednesday night. We have uh, a lot of great things going on on Wednesday night with missions and Bible study and singing. And this is just a, a small uh, expression of what they and what we are doing on Wednesday nights and uh, Sunday also with our children and youth ministries. Well, take your Bible, John chapter 9. We've been looking for several weeks in the Gospel of John and several weeks uh, with this uh, blind beggar who met Christ. What a great story. A blind beggar. And he meets a wonderful Savior. Just for the idea of, of maybe you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, let me give you a little overview of what had taken place. We had this man sitting outside the temple, and he's begging. He's blind, been blind since birth, and had been begging for literally everything, totally dependent upon others for everything that he had, every need that he had, blind from birth. And the question began from the disciples as Jesus was walking by, who, who sinned? What caused this man to be born blind? Did this man sin? Did his parents sin? What, what caused him to be in this condition? And Jesus said it's not that this parent sinned or he other things that caused this man to be blind, born blind. Jesus made a very prophetic, profound statement. He said he was born blind, but he was specifically born blind for this reason. So that the Father can be glorified. So that I can touch him and heal him. And so Jesus stepped down and stooped down in the mud and his saliva and he, he put mud on his eyes. And he said, I want you to go to the pool and, and to wash yourself. Well, the man didn't have a clue what was going on. He couldn't see. All he could do was hear. He just knew that this man put something on his eyes and said go and do it and he believed it and he got up and he went to the pool and he he washed himself and when he washed the mud off his eyes it says that he could see and then there began this dialogue and last week we looked at all these conversations about uh, who did this and why did it happen and who had the authority to heal you on the Sabbath day. And so you've got this collection of religion in the world and you've got this uh, just people in society and even his parents get involved with this. And the religious leaders were so upset. How dare someone heal someone on the Sabbath? Who does he think he is? 
And the whole conversation, I get tickled when I read it because the man said, listen, I don't know all this. I don't know all about the law and all that you're arguing about. All I know is that I once was blind and this man named Jesus touched me and I can see. What a beautiful story. He hadn't darkened the door of the first Sunday school class or the first seminary class. He's never been anywhere around any religious teaching. All he knew that he once was blind and he now could see. And that takes us to where we are now because if you read it, there's obviously a progressive revelation of this man knowing who Jesus is. But if you read it as we read today, it was not salvific. He was on a, on a path to salvation, but he had not truly been saved. All he knew is he was following what his heart was leading him to do about this man named Jesus. And so we begin here in verse 35. Look at John chapter 9, verse 35. And so he had been cast out of the synagogue because he would not denounce this Jesus. He just kept saying that this man Jesus saved him. So here we have in verse 35 of John 9, Jesus heard that he had been cast out and he found him. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Now, don't miss this. He's never seen Jesus. He's heard Jesus. And Jesus touched his eyes, but he went to the pool and began to see. By the time he came back, Jesus must have been gone. He'd never seen Jesus before. I can't help but to think he didn't recognize his voice, though. He said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he said, you tell me who the Son of Man is. Who, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus said, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Verse 38, he said, Lord, I believe and I worship him. Verse 39, Jesus said, now he he said it this way because I think as you read the text, it's not just a private conversation with just Jesus and this man all alone. It's a private conversation, but the Pharisees are always eavesdropping. And so there's there's a personal relationship, private conversation going on, but there's always an audience when the Pharisees are involved. And Jesus said, So that they could hear, by the way. For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see. And for those that may see, may become blind. And some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and they said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the worship to this point. And I pray, Lord, as we continue, that you would open up our hearts, that you would open up our mind, 
and that you would open our eyes so that we may see you. And this we pray in your wonderful name, Lord. Amen. Well, as we walk through this text, I want us to consider first this. This beggar and his circumstances. Now, just put yourself in his shoes for a moment. A blind beggar from birth, and Jesus heals him physically, and his life radically changes. There's a a great point to that. When you meet Jesus Christ, when you're touched by the Master, your life should radically change. But if we're not careful, we think once we give our life to Christ or, or I've met Jesus, then wealth and fame and fortune rightly follows. Everything's just going to be great now. What about this man? You could say it another way like this. Following Christ always comes with a cost as we live in this fallen world. Notice what happened to this man. Notice his circumstances. We've got to understand his circumstances. Then we can see the Savior. Notice his circumstances here. He's ridiculed by his friends. Well, who, who are you? So you can see now. Oh, okay. This man touched you and you can see now. Sometimes our friends may say, oh, so you go, to, you go to church now. You've gotten this religion, and so you know this Jesus now. Ridiculed by those that would have known him. He was persecuted by the religious leaders. You want to talk about who had all the authority in Jerusalem? It was the Roman Empire, but all authority given to the Jewish people was was running through the the synagogue, the religious leaders. Uh, The Pharisees even had their own little militia out there. Those who arrested Christ and crucified him, their own little soldiers. And the most influential of society of the day persecuted him and questioned him. And berated him. Eventually just threw him out of the temple. Threw him out of the synagogue. Because of his relationship with this man named Jesus. His own family, you could say, abandoned him. You would think when they, when they called the family in and said, all right, now give us some information about this blind man. Was he really blind? And, well, I don't know. And you notice the, the distance they began to take from their own son. I, you know, I don't know. You need to ask him. He, he was blind, but you need to go to him and ask him. Instead of, instead of embracing their own son and what had happened, they began to abandon him. And then he was banished from his own community. Now think about that. I mean, some of us, it's a struggle just to leave church and and act like we even know Jesus the first five minutes of the workplace. You know, we go to work for two or three minutes and we're afraid to tell anybody we got up early and went to Sunday school. God forbid. Oh, my goodness. I don't want them to think I'm a fanatical here. This man was willing to do... He didn't really know what was going on, but here's the key. He knew something had happened, and he wasn't backing down from that which happened. It'd be like us leaving here today and say, you know, you can say what you want to say, but this one thing I know, 
The man's name is Jesus. And he was willing to do whatever he needed to do and he would never back down from who Christ was in his life. And notice the cost. Notice what it cost him. Now that's a dreadful situation, isn't it? So there's the man in his situation. Now notice Jesus and his compassion. Notice what Christ did. Jesus heard that they had cast him out having found him. Now that's love. Remember when Jesus said to the disciples in the end of Matthew, in Matthew 28, we call it the Great Commission, and he tells them to go and make disciples and do these things. He said, listen, I'm always going to be with you. I'm always going to be with you. One of the most familiar verses that we know in, in Scripture, probably one of the most familiar worldwide, is John 3, 16, for God so what? See, God is a God of love. He's a good God, a fair God. He's a just God. He, he will always punish sin. There's always a right and a wrong with God. That's what makes him God. He's consistent. He's fair. He's a loving God. And Jesus, knowing all that he did because of Christ, it says that he, having found him I, I, I just sat there on that concept for so long this week and as we think about Jesus compassion and what it looks like scripturally there are really two things that we can we can understand really from Genesis all the way through Revelation it is God seeking those that are his God seeking the lost and the love that he has for those that are his. Think about Genesis, Adam and Eve. Now, if we would have been God and Adam and Eve, I'd have started over again. Some people's view of God is, is that God never saw that coming. That's one of the dangers that we have with one of the, the theological terminologies. And, and it's, a, it's a concept that there's always a discussion over. How free is man? God's sovereignty and, and free will and, and, and it's always those extremes that we need to stay away from. That The idea that, that God has no control over anything and that he, he made Adam and Eve and he never saw that coming and man just has absolute and complete free will over all their actions and that you know if that's the case God would have just, I'd have started over again. Say well Adam and Eve didn't work, let me do Bob and Sue. But no. God knows us in an unredeemed body. You know what we're capable of in an unredeemed body? Even though we are born again, I'm a born again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm capable of getting in the flesh. Somebody says, well, Pastor, I've always wanted to know what the flesh is. The flesh is me living, is John being John in an unredeemed way. And so God knew that apart from a supernatural work, man was going to fall. And the fall was the beginning of the plan of that supernatural work. Adam and Eve, 
God called Abraham. He called Abraham. He found him in the land of Ur. He said, Abraham, you're going to be a great people. Go. And Abraham went. And he found and he sought after the nation of Israel and he set them apart from, from all other tribes and nations and tongues and all the other ites I call that. The Amorites, the Moabites, the Mishalites, all the ites. And he said, I've got a people. And then we look at Jesus in the beginning of the Gospels and he, he finds Peter, he finds James, he finds John. He's constantly seeking out those that are his. But he doesn't stop there. You know, I thought years ago as a pastor, sometimes you just have those aha moments. and It's not in a theological book or some deep theological study. I was sitting there in the middle of my preaching one Sunday years ago. And I just, as I was preaching, because to be a pastor, you have to be able to do 15 things at one time. So as I'm preaching, I'm thinking, and my mind's just going 100 miles an hour. And as middle of I was preaching, I was sitting there looking around, and I began to look at people in their face. And I said, you know what? Whether you realize it or not, each and every one of us are here today because God wants us here. You may be here because you know somebody that's singing in the hanging of the green, and you had no other, well, we don't normally go, and we go to another church, but our kids come here on Wednesday night, so we'll, let's, haphazardly, let's just go to hanging on the greens. Yeah, that's true, but let me tell you what, God was the reason you're here this morning. There's a God that is doing his work from behind the scenes. There's a God that is in control of this universe that we see. And I'm telling you, we want that. If we're left in control, it took three chapters and we ruined it all. Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3. Leave it up to us, that's what happens. But it doesn't stop there. Not only did Jesus seek him out, he found him. He, having found him, he said, do you believe? Do you believe in the, the Son of Man? He is a Savior that seeks the lost. But he is a Savior that saves the lost. The story of the Bible is a story of redemption and salvation it's a story that God loved the world so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so in the midst of all that this man was going through, it was Jesus that sought him out. And he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? That same Jesus it's the same Jesus today that is seeking us out. And he's seeking out the lost. He is a seeking Savior, but he is a saving Savior. That is a wonderful picture of grace. The grace of God, the God's riches at Christ's expense. That that we receive that we do not deserve. But in God's loving grace, we're allowed to behold it. That man did not deserve to have his sight restored. There was nothing that that man did to deserve Christ healing him. But that's a great picture of grace. 
if you are here today and you're contemplating the goodness and the, the greatness of the Lord and you're a believer here today, oh, that's a great story of grace. But then we have the beggar's response. We have the Savior's compassion. Now the beggar's response. Look at verse 35 and 36. He said, first, do you believe in the Son of Man? That was the question. Do you believe that the the Son of Man was one of the favorite expressions that Jesus used of himself throughout the Gospels, especially here in John? And it basically just means this. I am God in the flesh. I am the Son of Man. I'm the Son of God. Think about the seven miracles that are found in John's Gospel. He did seven miracles, seven signs. There are seven I am statements. You can research that today between services. The seven signs and the seven I am statements. They are, they are tucked in the midst of the gospel of John. And every one of those miracles are supernatural to point to a supernatural God. Everything that he did pointed to who he was. Those seven I ams. I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the vine. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the great I am. I am God. And that's what the Pharisees couldn't handle. I am God. No, our God is a God of Moses. No, I am God. There is no other. That's the same question that is posed today through the gospel. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is who that he says that he is? Because only a, a perfect son of God can die on a cross for our sin. The only hope for humanity, the only hope for our society is a perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ. Do you believe that I am the son of man? The response is kind of unique, but it's just, it, it's not unique, but it is unique. It is just so real. It is so real just to understand he had never seen Christ. He listened, I, I want to believe. Who, what is it? I heard a pastor say one time, we were at a, in, a, in a setting and, and we were talking about it. It was really convicting. We were talking about it. It was a group of pastors and we were talking about how to give an effective invitation. What do we need to do to be more effective with our invitation? Well, it sounds good. I mean, it's like a great practical workshop. You know, every pastor would want to do that. How to give an effective invitation. So, you know, we all kind of run in there thinking we're going to get, you know, if you set the air on 72 and a half degrees... They're not quite asleep yet. If we play just as I am in a certain chord for a certain length, if you preach for a certain length of time and you move around and shout, that's what we were thinking. Let me tell you what it was about. He said, you preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and you tell people to come because it is an honor to come to the Son of Man. Son, that will fire up a preacher right there. That sets you free. Because in our world, we feel like, what can we do to get, what are we doing wrong that people won't get saved? The only thing we're doing wrong is we're not preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've watered down the gospel in such a way, nobody knows who Jesus is. We've got our own Jesuses out there. 
it's a great lesson on evangelism. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is who Jesus Christ says he is? Do you understand why Jesus Christ came? Do you understand why we have to have a perfect redeemer? Do you understand the nature of sin? Do you understand what you must do? That's all the man said, listen, you just tell me. I know what I need to do. Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Then Jesus said to him, you have seen him. And it's him that is speaking to you. And notice the man's response. Jesus in his compassion was a wonderful picture of grace. Now we see a wonderful picture of faith. I believe. And I worship him. You know what that word worship means? It means to fall on your face. It means that you know that you have come into the presence of someone that is worthy of your praise and your adoration and your reverence. I can't think of a more worthy situation than to realize I deserve hell. And I deserve to still be sitting outside that temple just blind for the rest of my life with no hope. But this man, he healed me. And he's given me new life. And I believe who he is. And I will worship him. And follow after him. And serve him. And proclaim him. And tell everybody about him. For the rest of my life. Grace is when God asks us. Do you believe? Faith is when we say yes. And we bow down. And we worship our Savior. I made these notes. He believed and he worshiped with his mind and with his life. A confession that led to praise. A decision that led to devotion. A confession that leads to praise. Man, what's wrong with Wouldn't it be great if somebody said, man, what is wrong with you? I don't know. I'm just praising my Savior. All the day long. What's gotten into you? Oh, just Jesus, that's it. The Atlanta Braves baseball player years ago, and I just totally forgot his name. And it was in the beginning of the steroid era, and it's funny to me because I like sports, a steroid era, and everybody was like, uh, I think Julio Franco or somebody like that. He's an older guy. He, he's an old guy. He's in his 40s still playing baseball. I understand how hard that was now. And they asked him, they said, well, what are you on that you can keep playing? He said, I'll tell you what I'm on. I'm on Jesus Christ is who I'm on. Boy, they cut that interview off real quick, didn't they? Okay, we're moving on. I'm on, I don't know, I'm on Jesus Christ. That's what I'm on. What a great season to tell people that. You know, I love Christmas because it's a wonderful opportunity to invite people to things like this. As we celebrate the season, we're inviting people to know the Savior that we are, as we celebrate and we long for and we wait, what a great opportunity to say, all I can tell you is that I believe in who that man is because he has changed my life and I believe in a Savior and my life will follow it. And then it he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And then Jesus 
looked up. You want to talk about a convicting look? Can you imagine Jesus now making eye contact with the Pharisees? I mean, it's bad enough when I'm preaching, staring at you eyeball to eyeball. But Jesus kind of looks up and he says, verse 39, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. So they heard him say these things. They said to him, are we also blind? If you're asking the question, you're blind. And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have any guilt. But now you say, we see your guilt remains. So we have the, the man's predicament, Jesus and his compassion, the man's response, and then Jesus and his closing words. And it's more of a, a concept than the words itself. He came so that those who do not see can see. And for those that can see, will not see. He came to seek and to save that which was lost so that they may be found. Those that do not think they're lost do not ask for help so that they may be found. Jesus came to point out humanity's condition. You think about the Pharisees. He was telling the Pharisees that without the Messiah, they are lost and the, the, the biblical understanding of the, the coming of the gospel, but they didn't believe it. And because they didn't believe it, they didn't think they needed Christ and they didn't think they needed Christ, so they didn't ever recognize and accept Christ. Jesus came for those that have a condition and that condition is lostness. That is what Jesus came for. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. That's what he came for. He came for those that are blind. But he came for those that are blind and realize, I'm blind. You know where grace and faith meet? At the cross. Somebody might ask me, preacher, I got, a, I got a question for you. I always get that. Preacher, I got a question for you. How do you know who's lost on a Sunday morning and who's not lost? You know what I tell people? I preach the gospel. A saved person or a person like the blind man in a saving aspect will respond to the gospel. Guess what a lost person will never do? Respond to the gospel. I, I, that's all I can tell people. 
Jesus came so that those that realize I am in need of a Savior and there's nothing I can do in and of myself to receive this type of life and this touch and this sight, there is a need and that need is for me to have my sins forgiven and the only way my sins are going to be forgiven is that I realize, hey, I am blind and there's something this man has told me to do and I know that I'm blind and I know that he has the answer and I'm going to follow through what it is he is asking me to do I'm going to go and I'm going to wash and I'm going to receive my sight what the gospel does and the spirit does today through the preaching of the word it exposes people's condition but then it points them there to a savior there's nothing I can do other than tell you that we are lost in our transgressions and sin and that Jesus Christ died on a cross and he shed his blood and he gave his life for your sin. And you need to know that without Jesus Christ you are lost. And you're heading to an eternal place that they call hell. Not very popular these days, but it's the truth. Eternal darkness and damnation. But through the gospel of Jesus Christ, an offer is made to those that the Spirit is opening up their eyes to see and to hear. Come. Come and receive your sight. Come to the light of the gospel. Come and walk in light. That is why Jesus came the already he has come but the not yet we await his coming again even so come what a grand conclusion to a man's life that can say I have seen the light we're going to stand in just a moment to sing I'm going to lead us in prayer and we're going to sing have you seen the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and know that you are his? If you are saying that that is something that has taken place in your life, I'm going to ask you this. Is your life like that man's life? You believed and you worship him? Everything we do, really, everything we do as a church is to Help people understand their need for Jesus Christ. And then secondly, helping people grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's, all we're, that's what we're here for. That's, that is the driving force of our ministry for the glory of God. And that people can hear the gospel and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. And so I'm going to pray in just a moment. Then we're all going to sing. And if you're here today, after we sing, I'm going to be standing down front. Pastor Matt will be standing down front. And you want to talk to someone about your relationship with Christ. You're here today and you don't have that assurance of your salvation. You're here today and through the preaching of the word and the singing of the word, you know today is the day of your salvation. Will you come and you share that to Matt or myself? Right after we sing, we're going to sing congregation to worship. But after we sing, we're going to be standing down here. Would you be willing to come?
because we would love to take the time to walk you through Scripture and the Gospels that you have that assurance of your salvation. Or you may be here today and you're looking for a church home. I would love to brag on this church for a little while. And it's not about me, and it's not about joy, it's not about mad, it's not about anything we do. I love to brag on this church because it's all about Jesus. And would love for you to be part of it. After we sing, you find me or mad and you let us know that. We'd love to share with you about what it means to be part of this church. Let's stand as we pray and as joy and the company has come, we are going to sing. And as we sing, you consider your relationship with Christ. You consider where you stand with Him. Do you know Him? Do you love Him? Do you worship Him? Lord God, we thank you so much for our day of worship. As we sing the Word, as we preach the Word, as we hear the Word, as we respond to the Word. We're grateful we have a Savior to communicate, to believe in, to share. A Savior that touches us and heals us and restores our our spiritual side. A, A Savior that we can love and adore and a Savior that we can worship. And so Lord, as we consider and contemplate the things of our faith, as we sing and as we respond, let us do so faithfully. We love you, Lord Jesus, because you first loved us. And this we pray in your wonderful name. Amen.